Section three of the Exemplary Novels of Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Margaret Espaillat. The Exemplary Novels by Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra. Translated by Walter K. Kelly. The Lady Cornelia, Part Three. Hearing this, Don Juan made sign to Lorenzo that he should join them, which he did, alighting from his horse and proceeding towards the place where his friends stood, but far from hoping for the good news that awaited him. The duke advanced to receive him with open arms, and the first word he uttered was to call him brother. Lorenzo scarcely knew how to reply to a reception so courteous and a salutation so affectionate. He stood amazed, and before he could utter a word, Don Juan said to him, "'The Duke, Signor Lorenzo, is but too happy to admit his affection for your sister, the Lady Cornelia, and at the same time he assures you that she is his legitimate consort. This, as he now says it to you, he will affirm publicly before all the world, when the moment for doing so has arrived.' He confesses, moreover, that he did propose to remove her from the house of her cousin some nights since, intending to take her to Ferrara, there to await the proper time for their public espousals, which he has only delayed for just causes, which he has declared to me. He describes the conflict he had to maintain against yourself, and adds that, when he went to seek Cornelia, he found only her waiting-woman, Sulpicia who is the woman you see yonder. From her he has learned that her lady has just given birth to a son, whom she entrusted to a servant of the duke, and then left the house in terror, because she feared that you, Signor Lorenzo, had been made aware of her secret marriage. The lady hoped, moreover, to find the duke awaiting her in the street. But it seems that Sulpicia did not give the babe to Fabio, but to some other person instead of him, and the child does not appear, neither is the Lady Cornelia to be found, in spite of the Duke's researches. He admits that all these things have happened by his fault, but declares that whenever your sister shall appear, he is ready to receive her as his legitimate wife. Judge then, Signor Lorenzo, if there be any more to say or to desire beyond the discovery of those two dear but unfortunate ones, the Lady and her infant." To this Lorenzo replied by throwing himself at the feet of the duke, who raised him instantly. "'From your greatness and Christian uprightness, most noble lord and dear brother,' said Lorenzo, "'my sister and I had certainly nothing less than this high honour to expect.' Saying this, tears came to his eyes, and the duke felt his own becoming moist, for both were equally affected the one with the fear of having lost his wife, the other by the generous candor of his brother-in-law. But, at once perceiving the weakness of thus displaying their feelings, they both restrained themselves and drove back those witnesses to their source, while the eyes of Don Juan, shining with gladness, seemed almost to demand from them the albricias of good news, seeing that he believed himself to have both Cornelia and her son at his own house. Things were at this point when Don Antonio de Sunza, whom Don Juan recognized at a considerable distance by his horse, was perceived approaching. 
He also recognized Don Juan and Lorenzo, but not the Duke, and did not know what he was to do, or whether he ought to rejoin his friend or not. He therefore inquired of the Duke's servants who the gentleman was then standing with Lorenzo and Don Juan. They replied that it was the Duke of Ferrara, and Don Antonio, knowing less than ever what it was best for him to do, remained in some confusion, until he was relieved from it by Don Juan, who called him by his name. Seeing that all were on foot, Don Antonio also dismounted, and, approaching the group, was received with infinite courtesy by the duke, to whom Don Juan had already named him as his friend. Finally, Don Antonio was made acquainted with all that had taken place before his arrival. Rejoicing greatly at what he heard, Don Antonio then said to his comrade, Why, Signor Don Juan, do you not finish your work and raise the joy of these signors to its acme by requiring from them the albricias for discovering the Lady Cornelia and her son? Had you not arrived, I might have taken those albricias you speak of, replied Don Juan. But now they are yours, Don Antonio for I am certain that the Duke and Signor Lorenzo will give them to you most joyfully. The Duke and Lorenzo, hearing of Cornelia being found, and of Albricias, inquired the meaning of those words. What can it be, replied Don Antonio, if not that I also design to become one of the personages in this happily terminating drama, being he who is to demand the Albricias for the discovery of the Lady Cornelia and her son, who are both in my house. He then at once related to the brothers, point by point, what has already been told, intelligence which gave the Duke and Lorenzo so much pleasure that each embraced one of the friends with all his heart, Lorenzo throwing himself into the arms of Don Juan, and the Duke into those of Don Antonio, the latter promising his whole dukedom for Albricias, and Lorenzo his life, soul, and estates. They then called the woman who had given the child to Don Juan, and she, having perceived her master, Lorenzo Bentivoglio, came forward, trembling. Being asked if she could recognize the man to whom she had given the infant, she replied that she could not, but that when she had asked if he were Fabio he had answered yes, and that she had entrusted the babe to his care in the faith of that reply. "'All this is true,' returned Don Juan, and you furthermore bade me deposit the child in a place of security, and instantly return. I did so, replied the waiting woman, weeping. But the duke exclaimed, We will have no more tears. All is gladness and joy. I will not now enter Ferrara, but return at once to Bologna, for this happiness is but in shadow until made perfect by the sight of Cornelia herself. Then, without more words, the whole company wheeled round and took their way to Bologna. Don Antonio now rode forward to prepare the Lady Cornelia, lest the sudden appearance of her brother and the Duke might cause too violent a revulsion. But not finding her as he expected, and the pages being unable to give him any intelligence respecting her, he suddenly found himself the saddest and most embarrassed man in the world. Learning that the gouvernante had departed, he was not long in conjecturing that the lady had disappeared by her means. The pages informed him that the housekeeper had gone on the same day with himself and Don Juan, but as to that Lady Cornelia, 
respecting whom he inquired, they had never seen her. Don Antonio was almost out of his senses at this unexpected occurrence, which, he feared, must make the duke consider himself and Don Juan to be mere liars and boasters. He was plunged in these sad thoughts when Alfonso entered with Lorenzo and Don Juan, who had spurred on before the attendants by retired and unfrequented streets. They found Don Antonio seated with his head on his hand, and as pale as a man who has been long dead, and when Don Juan inquired what ailed him, and where was the Lady Cornelia, he replied, "'Rather ask me what do I not ail, since the Lady Cornelia is not to be found. She quitted the house on the same day as ourselves, with the gouvernante we left to keep her company.' This sad news seemed as though it would deprive the Duke of life, and Lorenzo of his senses. The whole party remained in the utmost consternation and dismay, when one of the pages said to Don Antonio in a whisper, Signor, Santisteban, Signor Don Juan's page, has had locked up in his chamber, from the day when your worships left, a very pretty woman, whose name is certainly Cornelia, for I have heard him call her so. Plunged into a new embarrassment, Don Antonio would rather not have found the lady at all, for he could not but suppose it was she whom the page had shut up in his room, than have discovered her in such a place. Nevertheless, without saying a word, he ascended to the page's chamber, but found the door fast, for the young man had gone out and taken away the key. Don Antonio therefore put his lips to the keyhole, and said in a low voice, Open the door, Signora Cornelia, and come down to receive your brother and the Duke, your husband, who are waiting to take you hence. A voice from within replied, Are you making fun of me? It is certain that I am neither so ugly nor so old, but that dukes and counts may very well be looking for me, but this comes of condescending to visit pages. These words quite satisfied Don Antonio that it was not the Lady Cornelia who had replied. At that moment Santisteban returned and went up to his chamber, where he found Don Antonio, who had just commanded that all the keys of the house should be brought, to see if any one of them would open the door. The page fell on his knees, and held up the key, exclaiming, "'Have mercy on me, your worship! Your absence, or rather my own villainy, made me bring this woman to my room!' But I entreat your grace, Don Antonio, as you would have good news from Spain, that you suffer the fault I have committed to remain unknown to my master, Don Juan, if he be not yet informed of it. I will turn her out this instant. What is the name of this woman? inquired Don Antonio. Cornelia, replied Santisteban. Downstairs at once went the page who had discovered the hidden woman, and who was not much of a friend to Santisteban and entered the room where sat the duke, Don Juan, and Lorenzo, and, either from simplicity or malice, began to talk to himself, saying, "'Well caught, brother page! By heaven they have made you give up your lady Cornelia! She was well hidden, to be sure, and no doubt my gentleman would have liked to see the masters remain away that he might enjoy himself some three or four days longer.' "'What is that you are saying?' cried Lorenzo, who had caught part of these words. "'Where is the Lady Cornelia?' "'She is above,' replied the page. 
and the duke, who supposed that his consort had just made her appearance, had scarcely heard the words before he rushed from the apartment like a flash of lightning, and, ascending the staircase at a bound, gained the chamber into which Don Antonio was entering. "'Where is Cornelia? Where is the life of my life?' he exclaimed, as he hurried into the room. "'Cornelia is here,' replied a woman, who was wrapped in a quilt taken from the bed with which she had concealed her face. "'Lord bless us,' she continued, "'one would think an ox had been stolen. Is it a new thing for a woman to visit a page that you make such a fuss about it?' Lorenzo, who had now entered the room, angrily snatched off the sheet, and exposed to view a woman still young and not ill-looking, who hid her face in her hands for shame, while her dress, which served her instead of a pillow, sufficiently proved her to be some poor castaway. The duke asked her, was it true her name was Cornelia? It was, she replied, adding, that she had very decent parents in the city, but that no one could venture to say, of this water I will never drink. The duke was so confounded by all he beheld, that he was almost inclined to think the Spaniards were making a fool of him, but, not to encourage so grievous a suspicion, he turned away without saying a word. Lorenzo followed him, they mounted their horses and rode off, leaving Don Juan and Don Antonio even more astonished and dismayed than himself. The two friends now determined to leave no means untried, possible or impossible, to discover the retreat of the Lady Cornelia, and convince the Duke of their sincerity and uprightness. They dismissed Santisteban for his misconduct, and turned the worthless Cornelia out of the house. Don Juan then remembered that they had neglected to describe to the Duke those rich jewels wherein Cornelia carried her relics, with the Agnes she had offered to them, and they went out proposing to mention that circumstance, so as to prove to Alfonso that the lady had indeed been in their care, and that if she had now disappeared it was not by any fault of theirs. They expected to find the duke in Lorenzo's house, but the latter informed them that Alfonso had been compelled to leave Bologna, and had returned to Ferrara, having committed the search for Cornelia to his care. The friends having told him what had brought them, Lorenzo assured them that the duke was perfectly convinced of their rectitude in the matter, adding that they both attributed the flight of Cornelia to her great fear, but hoped, and did not doubt, that heaven would permit her reappearance before long, since it was certain that the earth had not swallowed the housekeeper, the child, and herself. With these considerations they all consoled themselves determining not to make search by any public announcement, but secretly, since, with the exception of her cousin, no person was yet acquainted with the disappearance of Cornelia, and Lorenzo judged that a public search might prove injurious to his sister's name among such as did not know the whole circumstances of the case, since the labor of effacing such suspicions as might arise would be infinite, and by no means certain of success. The duke, meanwhile, continued his journey to Ferrara, and favoring fortune, which was now preparing his happiness, led him to the village where dwelt that priest in whose house Cornelia, her infant, and the housekeeper were concealed. The good father was acquainted with the whole history, 
and Cornelia had begged his advice as to what it would be best for her to do. Now this priest had been the preceptor of the duke, and to his dwelling, which was furnished in a manner befitting that of a rich and learned clerk, the duke was in the habit of occasionally repairing from Ferrara, and would thence go to the chase, or amuse himself with the pleasant conversation of his host, and with the knowledge and excellence of which the good priest gave evidence in all he did or said. The priest was not surprised to receive a visit from the duke, because, as we have said, it was not the first by many, but he was grieved to see him sad and dejected, and instantly perceived that his whole soul was absorbed in some painful thought. As to Cornelia, having been told that the duke was there, she was seized with renewed terror, not knowing how her misfortunes were to terminate. She wrung her hands, and hurried from one side of her apartment to the other, like a person who had lost her senses. Fain would the troubled lady have spoken to the priest, but he was in conversation with the duke, and could not be approached. Alfonso was meanwhile saying to him, "'I come to you, my father, full of sadness,' and will not go to Ferrar to-day, but remain your guest. Give orders for all my attendants to proceed to the city, and let none remain with me but Fabio. The priest went to give directions accordingly, as also to see that his own servants made due preparations, and Cornelia then found an opportunity for speaking to him. She took his two hands and said, "'Ah, my father and dear sir, what has the duke come for?' FOR THE LOVE OF GOD SEE WHAT CAN BE DONE TO SAVE ME. I PRAY YOU SEEK TO DISCOVER WHAT HE PROPOSES. AS A FRIEND, DO FOR ME WHATEVER SHALL SEEM BEST TO YOUR PRUDENCE AND GREAT WISDOM. THE PRIEST REPLIED, DUKE ALFONSO HAS COME TO ME IN DEEP SADNESS, BUT UP TO THIS MOMENT HE HAS NOT TOLD ME THE CAUSE. WHAT I WOULD HAVE YOU DO NOW IS TO DRESS THIS INFANT WITH GREAT CARE, PUT ON IT ALL THE JEWELS YOU HAVE WITH YOU, more especially such as you may have received from the duke himself. Leave the rest to me, and I have hope that heaven is about to grant us a happy day. Cornelia embraced the good man, and kissed his hand, and then retired to dress and adorn the babe as he had desired. The priest, meanwhile, returned to entertain the duke with conversation, while his people were preparing their meal, and in the course of their colloquy he inquired if he might venture to ask him the cause of his grief, since it was easy to see at the distance of a league that something gave him sorrow. "'Father,' replied the duke, "'it is true that the sadness of the heart rises to the face, and in the eyes may be read the history of that which passes in the soul. But for the present I cannot confide the cause of my sorrow to any one.' "'Then we will not speak of it further, my lord duke,' replied the priest. "'But if you were in a condition permitting you to examine a curious and beautiful thing, I have one to show you which I cannot but think would afford you great pleasure.' "'He would be very unwise,' returned Alfonso, "'who, when offered a solace for his suffering, refuses to accept it. "'Wherefore show me what you speak of, father?' The object is doubtless an addition to one of your curious collections, and they have all great interest in my eyes. The priest then arose, and repaired to the apartment where Cornelia was awaiting him with her son, whom she had adorned as he had suggested, 
having placed him on the relics and Agnes, with other rich jewels, all gifts of the duke to the babe's mother. Taking the infant from her hands, the good priest then went to the duke, and telling him that he must rise and come to the light of the window, he transferred the babe from his own arms into those of Alfonso, who could not but instantly remark the jewels, and perceiving that they were those which he had himself given to Cornelia, he remained in great surprise. Looking earnestly at the infant, meanwhile, he fancied he beheld his own portrait, and, full of admiration, he asked the priest to whom the child belonged, remarking that, from its decorations and appearance, one might take it to be the son of some princess. "'I do not know,' replied the priest, "'to whom it belongs. All I can tell you is that it was brought to me some nights since by a cavalier of Bologna, who charged me to take good care of the babe, and bring it up heedfully, since it was the son of a noble and valiant father,' and of a mother highly born as well as beautiful. With the cavalier there also came a woman to suckle the infant, and of her I have inquired if she knew anything of the parents, but she tells me that she knows nothing whatever. Yet of a truth, if the mother possess but half the beauty of the nurse, she must be the most lovely woman in Italy. "'Could I not see her?' asked the duke. "'Yes, certainly you may see her,' returned the priest. You have only to come with me, and if the beauty and decorations of the child surprise you, I think the sight of the nurse cannot fail to produce an equal effect. The priest would then have taken the infant from the duke, but Alfonso would not let it go. He pressed it in his arms, and gave it repeated kisses. The good father, meanwhile, hastened forward, and bade Cornelia approach to receive the duke. The lady obeyed her emotion giving so rich a color to her face that the beauty she displayed seemed something more than human. The duke, on seeing her, remained as if struck by a thunderbolt, while she, throwing herself at his feet, sought to kiss them. The duke said not a word, but gave the infant to the priest, and hurried out of the apartment. Shocked at this, Cornelia said to the priest, Alas, dear father, have I terrified the duke with the sight of my face? Am I become hateful to him? Has he forgot the ties by which he has bound himself to me? Will he not speak one word to me? Was his child such a burden to him that he has thus rejected him from his arms? To all these questions the good priest could give no reply, for he was too utterly confounded by the duke's hasty departure, which seemed more like a flight than anything else. Meanwhile, Alfonso had but gone out to summon Fabio. "'Ride, Fabio, my friend,' he cried. "'Ride for your life to Bologna, and tell Lorenzo Bentivoglio that he must come with all speed to this place. Let him make no excuse, and bid him bring with him the two Spanish gentlemen, Don Juan de Gamboa and Don Antonio de Isunza.' Return instantly, Fabio, but not without them, for it concerns my life to see them here. Fabio required no further pressing, but instantly carried his master's commands into effect. The duke returned at once to Cornelia, caught her in his arms, mingled his tears with hers, and kissed her a thousand times, 
and long did the fond pair remain thus silently locked in each other's embrace, both speechless from excess of joy. The nurse of the infant and the dame, who proclaimed herself a Crivella, beheld all this from the door of the adjoining apartment, and fell into such ecstasies of delight that they knocked their heads against the wall, and seemed all at once to have gone out of their wits. The priest bestowed a thousand kisses on the infant, whom he held on one arm, while with his right hand he showered no end of benedictions on the noble pair. At length his reverence's housekeeper, who had been occupied with her culinary preparations, and knew nothing of what had occurred, entered to notify her master that dinner was on the table, and so put an end to this scene of rapture. The duke then took his babe from the arms of the priest, and kept it in his own during the repast, which was more remarkable for neatness and good taste than for splendor. While they were at table, Cornelia related to the duke all that had occurred until she had taken refuge with the priest, by the advice of the housekeeper of those two Spanish gentlemen, who had protected and guarded her with such assiduous and respectful kindness. In return, the duke related to her all that had befallen himself during the same interval, and the two housekeepers, who were present, received from him the most encouraging promises. All was joy and satisfaction, and nothing more was required for the general happiness, save the arrival of Lorenzo, Don Antonio, and Don Juan. They came on the third day, all intensely anxious to know if the duke had received intelligence of Cornelia, seeing that Fabio, who did not know what had happened, could tell them nothing on that subject. The duke received them alone in the antechamber, but gave no signs of gladness in his face, to their great grief and disappointment. Bidding them be seated, Alfonso himself sat down, and thus addressed Lorenzo. "'You well know, Signor Lorenzo Bentivoglio, that I never deceived your sister, as my conscience and heaven itself can bear witness. You know also the diligence with which I have sought her, and the wish I have felt to have my marriage with her celebrated publicly. But she is not to be found, and my word cannot so considered eternally engaged to a shadow. I am a young man, and am not so blasé as to leave ungathered such pleasures as I find on my path. Before I had ever seen Cornelia I had given my promise to a peasant girl of this village, but whom I was tempted to abandon by the superior charms of Cornelia, giving therein a great proof of my love for the latter, in defiance of the voice of my conscience. Now, therefore, since no one can marry a woman who does not appear, and it is not reasonable that a man should eternally run after a wife who deserts him, lest he should take to his arms one who abhors him, I would have you consider, Signor Lorenzo, whether I can give you any further satisfaction for an affront which was never intended to be one, and further I would have you give me your permission to accomplish my first promise, and solemnize my marriage with the peasant girl, who is now in this house. While the duke spoke this, Lorenzo's frequent change of color, and the difficulty with which he forced himself to retain his seat, gave manifest proof that anger was taking possession of all his senses. 
the same feelings agitated don antonio and don juan who were resolved not to permit the duke to fulfil his intention even should they be compelled to prevent it by depriving him of life alfonso reading these resolves in their faces resumed endeavour to calm yourself signor lorenzo and before you answer me one word i will have you see the beauty of her whom i desire to take to wife for it is such that you cannot refuse your consent and it might suffice as you will acknowledge to excuse a graver error than mine so saying the duke rose and repaired to the apartment where cornelia was awaiting him in all the splendor of her beauty and rich decorations no sooner was he gone than don juan also rose and laying both hands on the arms of lorenzo's chair he said to him by saint james of galicia by the true faith of a christian and by my honor as a gentleman signor lorenzo i will as readily allow the duke to fulfil his project as i will become a worshipper of mohammed here on this spot he shall yield up his life at my hands or he shall redeem the promise given to your sister the lady cornelia at the least he shall give us time to seek her and until we know to a certainty that she is dead he shall not marry that is exactly my own view replied lorenzo and i am sure rejoined don juan that it will be the determination of my comrade don antonio likewise while they were thus speaking cornelia appeared at the door between the duke and the priest each of whom led her by one hand behind them came sulpicia her waiting-woman whom the duke had summoned from ferrara to attend her lady with the infant's nurse and the spaniard's housekeeper when lorenzo saw his sister and had assured himself that it was indeed cornelia for at first the apparently impossible character of the occurrence had forbidden his belief he staggered on his feet and cast himself at those of the duke who raising him placed him in the arms of his delighted sister whilst don juan and don antonio hastily applauded the duke for the clever trick he had played upon them all alfonso then took the infant from sulpicia and presenting it to lorenzo he said signor and brother receive your nephew my son and see whether it please you to give permission for the public solemnization of my marriage with this peasant girl the only one to whom i have ever been betrothed to repeat the replies of lorenzo would be never to make an end and the rather of it to these we added the questions of don juan the remarks of don antonio the expressions of delight uttered by the priest the rejoicing of sulpicia the satisfaction of the housekeeper who had made herself the counsellor of cornelia the exclamations of the nurse and the astonishment of fabio with the general happiness of all the marriage ceremony was performed by the good priest and don juan de gamboa gave away the bride but it was agreed among the parties that this marriage also should be kept secret until he knew the result of the malady under which the duchess dowager was laboring for the present therefore it was determined that cornelia should return to bologna with her brother all was done as thus agreed on and when the duchess dowager died cornelia made her entrance into ferrara rejoicing the eyes of all who beheld her 
the mourning weeds were exchanged for festive robes, the two housekeepers were enriched, and Sulpicia was married to Fabio. For Don Antonio and Don Juan, they were sufficiently rewarded by the services they had rendered to the duke, who offered them two of his cousins in marriage, with rich dowries. But they replied that the gentlemen of the Biscayan nation married for the most part in their own country, wherefore not because they despised so honorable a proffer, which was not possible, but that they might not depart from a custom so laudable, they were compelled to decline that illustrious alliance, and the rather as they were still subject to the will of their parents, who had, most probably, already affianced them. The duke admitted the validity of their excuses, but, availing himself of occasions warranted by custom and courtesy, he found means to load the two friends with rich gifts, which he sent from time to time to their house in Bologna. Many of these were of such value that, although they might have been refused for fear of seeming to receive a payment, yet the appropriate manner in which they were presented, and the particular periods at which Alfonso took care that they should arrive, caused their acceptance to be easy, not to say inevitable. Such, for example, were those dispatched by him at the moment of their departure for their own country, and those which he gave them when they came to Ferrara to take their leave of him. At this period the Spanish gentleman found Cornelia the mother of two little girls, and the duke more enamoured of his wife than ever. The duchess gave the diamond cross to Don Juan, and the gold Agnes to Don Antonio, both of whom had no choice but to accept them. They finally arrived without accident in their native Spain, where they married rich, noble, and beautiful ladies, and they never ceased to maintain a friendly correspondence with the Duke and Duchess of Ferrara, and with Lorenzo Bentivoglio, to the great satisfaction of all parties. End of the Lady Cornelia Part Three, Recording by Margaret Espaillat